Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now and register an account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code TSUS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code TSUS to claim your deposit bonus and, for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Chris Lee of Southeastern 14 joins the show. Chris, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Appreciate you carving out some time for us today. Oh, absolutely. And hopefully this this sounds okay. I'm I'm in the middle of driving to Clark Lee's press conference here in Nashville. (laughs) So it might be a little road noise and stuff like that. But uh, we've, we've made that happen before, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure, Chris. I appreciate you, man. Either way, it sounds great on your end. And you, you mentioned you're on the way to Clark Lee's presser. Let's let's start there, man, because obviously we'll touch on all the SEC, of course, the Gamecocks as well. I was actually watching you and Blaine this morning discussing the South Carolina-Florida game, locking in your predictions and, and giving some very noteworthy stats on that ball game. But obviously you live in Nashville. You're a Vandy guy by heart. What's going on with Vandy football, man? How How – how would you label this season at the halfway point? Has it been a disappointing season right on par with what you expected? I mean, I feel like back when we talked at SEC Media Days, there was a lot of momentum that, you know, from beating Kentucky and Florida last year, going five and seven. Maybe this could be a, you know, a, a bowl team in, in, I believe it's what, year three of, of Clark Lee, but it just hasn't quite been that season, at least as of yet. Uh, your overall thoughts on Vandy and just what they've been, what you've seen thus far. Yeah, hasn't been close to, to quite, to, to be honest with you. Um, you know, th- this was a year that, look, it, it, you kind of feel silly having expectations for Vandy, and it sounds dumb in hindsight saying, well, they have a chance to kind of make a little bit more noise this year. But let's look at it. In, in year two, Clark Lee goes in five and five and seven, beats quality Kentucky and Florida teams. And so you're thinking, okay, the natural progression of a rebuilding program is more that. They had a lot of guys back. Uh, they had some obvious weaknesses. I, I thought that running game was going to be a weakness and, and pass defense was going to be a weakness. And, and the problem that Vanderbilt had is the things that they thought would be weaknesses, those two in particular, or the least I thought would be weaknesses, have absolutely been weaknesses. Add to that uh, the part of their pass defense that I thought could be more respectable their safeties, all those guys have been hurt. Uh, safeties, backups, you name it. Some of them are, are playing or are playing hurt or not playing at all. And, you know, to, to add to that, um, the, the offensive line has been awful. I think we thought they'd be a lot better. They had four returning starters. Um, same offensive line coach they'd had the year before. Um, and, and, frankly, the year before that. I, I just thought that when you look at a team that's rebuilding – you kind of take the baseline of where they were with five and seven. Mm-hmm. You add in the fact that they had a lot of guys returning, that they figure to get better as they develop. It is all just kind of falling apart. I mean, look, we're sitting here at midseason, and their best win is, is seven points over Hawaii. That's just not good enough. 
And so, Chris, you know, as as we as we are sitting at the halfway point of this 2023 season, and it's crazy to say that time flies. Truly, what what surprised you the most when you look across the SEC? Obviously, not just Vandy. Is there anything that's that's jumped out to you that maybe you didn't expect, or anything that's just you know just so obvious that uh, has been a surprise to this point in the season as we look up at, at the halfway point? Yeah, I, I think a few things. I, I think. Probably number one is LSU's almost complete inability to defend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think we thought they had talent with Harold Perkins, with, with Mason Smith, with all those guys. Uh, but the thing that we wondered about was corners. They had a, a couple of new guys in. That's been a disaster. So I think, you know, you, you kind of figure LSU's got enough talent. Brian Kelly did enough a year ago that you thought that they would, would get better. And, and it, it's been such a disaster. Their offense has been outstanding. Um, their, their offense, it's hard to stop. But they get in these games that look like um, you know, low basketball scores at times. I think that's what the end for them. And I, I just didn't expect. I thought LSU would have a good offense. I didn't think the defense would be this bad. I, I think some other things, um, you know, Devin Leary at Kentucky, I thought he'd be much better than he's been. Um, and if he's the guy that he's been at NC State, they're not going to beat Georgia, but it's not going to be as embarrassing, and I think the outlook going forward is going to be better. I think Brady Cook has been a big surprise. I think Brady Cook, until the second half of that LSU game, I'm not saying he was SEC Offensive Player of the Year, but I think he had to be in that discussion. And so I think that his rise has taken Missouri's offense maybe a notch beyond what I thought. Um I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving out some obvious things as I navigate through traffic here, but those are, those are three that just pop immediately. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Chris, let's move the conversation to specifically South Carolina. Gamecocks enter a pivotal game this weekend against Florida. But as you look at them right now, you know, two and three overall coming off the bye week. And, and you know, there's a couple of different ways, Chris, I think you can look at it because you look at South Carolina, 
you know, the, the record is ugly, but you look at the three losses, they all come to ranked opponents, but then you look at how they happen. Georgia, very respectable, but against UNC and Tennessee, give up six and nine sacks respectively in those games. You've surrendered over 20 sacks through five games, which is just really unheard of. I mean, Chris, I heard a stat, South Carolina is on pace to surrender 59 sacks this season, which would by far be a school record. When you look at the Gamecocks, though, how do you view them? And are are they about where you expected? Did you think they'd be better? Did you think they'd be worse? Because, again, I think there's two ways you could spin it. You can look at it as, you know, how the losses have happened. And, you know, maybe South Carolina is closer to a 5-7 and team. Or maybe they've just played a tough schedule to this point and they're closer to a a seven and five team, or maybe the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Like, how do you evaluate this South Carolina football team right now? Well, I think you hit in a lot of things that, that I that I'm on in agreement with in, in your question there. I, I think that to me, the season. Well, first of all, my, my expectations then were a little bit lower than the public. I just looked at you lose. Well, I think a couple of DBs to the NFL, and I mean, look at LSU when 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 you've got really good defensive backs in this day and age. That is a really valuable commodity. And maybe in Alabama and Georgia, you replace those guys, you're, you're plug and play, and it works out okay. But most places, and no offense to South Carolina, are not, not quite that. That's, that's a small handful of programs that can do that. So that was one of my concerns. I think that's been a concern. I think the other thing is I think that that North Carolina game kind of frames some expectations for their season because you're going mm-hmm. – North Carolina was not at the top of anybody's list of – of rush the passer teams. And, and once that happened, um, you know, you're like, oh, boy. Uh, and, and then throw the Juice Wells injury, and you're just looking at a team that, to me, is operating with a very thin margin of error. But this is the good news, I, I think, for South Carolina. I don't think there's any team or in any coach since he's been in the league that has gotten more out of his team in that back third of the schedule than Shane Beamer. I think attitude and, and good culture are things that can set a team apart in that latter part of the season. Uh, Chris, I, I just I still have that memory of them winning the Mayo Bowl. I don't even remember who their quarterback <laughs> was, but but they went through through four guys, um, you know, that, that, that seemed to look like more like me and you than they look like Bryce Young, and he got that team to seven wins. Mm-hmm. And you look at last year, they, they beat Tennessee in a game that nobody was expecting to go the way it went. Mm-hmm. They, they go to Clemson and do something that nobody had done in Death Valley in a long time. I, I think that, the, again, the margin for them is thin for all those reasons, but you just never count out Shane Beamer to pull a surprise. If we were doing we're going through bowl projections this morning, and we were looking at them, and somebody had Carolina projected for – it was a lower tier bowl. I don't remember what it was now. I, I kind of pushed back on that. And then we started going through the schedule. It's like, well, there's four or five winnable games there. Um, and we, we know Shane Beamer can, can win games he's not supposed to win. So I, I think that, you know, the more I looked at it, I thought, you know, I, I could see them six and sixing away to the bowl. Um, certainly their recruiting has been good. Their culture has been good. I, I'm not any more down on them long-term than, than I was, but unfortunately some of the things I was concerned about um, turned out to be valid concerns and, and, and then the line plaid just didn't expect to be that bad. Uh, but, I, but I think he's done a great job developing Spencer Rattler, and, and I do think that they will find a way to finish 
better than people think because that's what Shane Beamer always does. You mentioned Spencer Rattler, Chris. What stood out to you about his game most? I mean, I, I think it's obviously obvious he's made you know serious strides and and the progression and you know raising his floor, if you will. But it, what's jumped out to you more than anything in a, in a guy that you know really this South Carolina football team has become sort of a one man wrecking crew and it's led by number seven. I, I think the middle toughness. Um, there, there was a lot of noise in the offseason. I was one of the guys that wasn't sure that he could be the quarterback that, that people thought he would be. I mean, he's, he's had a rough path. I mean, when, when you were anointed as a Heisman-level candidate, you transfer schools, all those things, you kind of put a target on your back. Mm-hmm. And then, again, you go to that North Carolina game where they can't protect him. I, I think, to me, just watching Spencer Rattler pull a – Houdini act to keep making plays and keeping his team in, in games, you know, being ahead of of Georgia in the third quarter in Athens, all the things he's done, and then again to lose his best weapon coming into the season. I think that kid, I mean, he's not going to win SEC player of the year because Carolina's not going to win enough games. Um, and, I mean, he may get broken in half before the season's over with this rate, too. But I think you could argue – that, that probably nobody has had more value to his team than Spencer Rattler. He's earned a lot of my respect, and I have a feeling he's earned himself some money come next April. Now, Chris, like I mentioned, I watched you and Blaine discuss this game this weekend, Gamecocks and Gators. And, Chris, admittedly, I, I, I labeled this game over the summer as South Carolina's most important game of the 2023 season because I felt like South Carolina would be right at this 2-3 and three mark heading into this football game. And I think this is a game to have any shot, like you mentioned, if you're going to finish better than expected, if you're going to reach seven or, God forbid, maybe even eight wins, this is a game, you know, it's must-win gets thrown around. It almost feels like on a weekly basis, right? Like, they're they're all must-wins. I don't know that there's many games you say, well, we can lose that one and nobody will care. But this feels like as much a can't-lose game for South Carolina. And Shane Beamer, effectively, as well, in year three, because there were a lot of Gamecock fans, admittedly, Chris, and – you know, you might think this is kind of silly, and I and I would say too that you know, there's just a lot of folks out there. I think that had super high expectations for year three, and the UNC game happened, and folks wrote it off as okay, it's you know, first game of the year, crazy things can happen. Georgia, you lose that one, but you were very competitive, and Georgia's number one in the country. But that Tennessee game, Chris, I think it broke a lot of people, a lot of Gamecock fans, in the sense of. You know, I think a lot of people are on edge going into this one. I, I think the attitude is somewhat doom and gloom, as Shane Beamer would label it. But, again, you guys talked about this one. What are you most looking forward to in this one, keys to the game? Just overall thoughts on this matchup between the Gamecocks and Gators. And I think a Gators team that might be a little bit better than we were all expecting over the summer. Well, look, I, I can I, – I get why South Carolina fans left the Tennessee game depressed. But that was one that you looked on the front end – you know, if, if you're just kind of looking at games dispassionately and, and you had to say, hey, look, that is a tough one for them to get. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I think that I would have liked Carolina's chances a lot better had it not been for what happened last year. I think any chance that Carolina wasn't going to have Tennessee's attention went by the board last November. So there was that. Number two, I just thought stylistically that was a tough matchup. Tennessee can really get after the, the passer disrupt things with Tennessee's offensive or with South Carolina's offensive line. You knew that was going to be an issue. It was. So, to, to me, throw Tennessee out of the equation, sort of, that was a tough matchup. I look at Florida, 
Florida is not going to be after a, a get after the passer team as much as Tennessee was. Uh, certainly not the way that it happened against North Carolina. Um, Florida is not a team that forces turnovers. They've caused two all season. Um, now, now, by sheer luck, that number is probably going to go up in the second half, but it is what it is. Um, I think to me, the danger with playing Florida is what they want to do is keep your offense off the field. Teams are averaging, this is from memory, but I think it's right. I think teams are only getting off 53 offensive snaps a game, which is incredible given that Florida's not forcing turnovers. I think third downs are a big thing. That, that's where protection comes in. I just don't think this is the nightmarish matchup that the Tennessee game was. And I, I don't know. I mean, you put this game in a neutral field, play it 100 times, you might literally come out with each team winning 50, but it's not on the neutral field. It's at Williams-Rice, which I think they've got one of the better fan bases in the country in terms of showing up. Carolina fans almost always show up, good, bad, or indifferent. I think that'll be the difference. And I think Carolina's got enough to beat a Florida team that's solid, but I don't think it's overpowering. So what you're saying is, Chris, you are a believer in Cocktober. I heard Blaine talk about that on, on, the, uh, on the show <laughs> that you guys had. It seems like Cocktober, the Gamecocks come alive. Yeah, I think that's kind of been this phrase, but you can make it into a word. I mean, November is really when they do their damage, but it's become a thing. It's fun, and uh, hey, for this one, why not? The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the GameTime app or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code SPURSUP for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code SPURSUP, S-P or S-U-P, for $20 off your first purchase. GameTime is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, and you're set. And also tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought. Whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is, Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P or S-U-P for $20 off your first 
purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. To to your point though, Chris, about the home field advantage, it's interesting how this year, you know, home field has always played a huge part, but. I think because of the parity we're seeing, because of the portal and NIL, does it feel like to you like home field advantage doesn't mean everything, but in a lot of these 50-50 coin flip games, you can almost just look at it and say, okay, who has the home field? Go with them for the pick. Like It, it just feels like home field, is, especially if you've got them on your home field at night. I know for South Carolina, it feels like it makes all the difference in the world. Are you seeing that as well? And what's your thoughts on the overall parity in the SEC? Because again, especially the SEC West, it feels like we have more of that than ever now. Yeah, I I agree with pretty much all of that. I don't know that all that being right, but th- there are three games that this week, according to basically what Vegas is saying and, and what the computers that I look at say, they're, they're pick'em games on a neutral field. One of them is Florida, Carolina. One of them is A and M, Tennessee. One of them is Kentucky, Missouri. I, I think that the margins there are, are one or two points on a neutral field in every case. And when we made our picks, I took the home team every time. Just maybe it was a lazy way out for lack of a better idea. Uh, maybe she feels stupid if you pick against those teams at home. But whatever the reason, I, I did it. I, I think you're right. Um, to, to add to, to kind of your point about parity, look, I don't, I don't always like the way the sausage has been made in NCAA football so far. I don't like the, the tampering. I don't like the, the fact that you, you can't, watch your team grow up um as soon as a guy gets good he's open to the highest bidder on all those things but what it has made for is amazing parity if you want to watch me do some gymnastics today go watch the live stream we did about an hour ago um where we're trying to pick playoff teams and we literally went through <laughs> i don't know 15 teams that, that sort of kind of have a shot and and listen to me hedge my bets and everything um I mean, and, and look, I, I don't know how you do it otherwise, to be honest. You have a lot of teams that, that to me, aren't, aren't separated by a lot. Um, you have some brutal conference schedules coming up. I, I think the Pac-12 is going to be fascinating on how that resolves. Um, I, I think, to me, I don't get all this opposition to the 14 playoff. I think it's going to be fascinating. Um, I, I think parity is good for the game. Um, and I think, my goodness, you're seeing maybe as much of it as we've seen in our lifetime. And it's making for a super interesting product. Chris, switching gears and moving to the SEC West, Alabama made a statement in College Station. Jalen Milrow set career highs in passing yardage. Your thoughts on the Crimson Tide at this point? I think many of us maybe were prematurely throwing dirt on the graves of Alabama football when they – they fell to Texas, and then they had really had that debacle against South Florida. But maybe they're starting to find something, get it rolling. Your overall thoughts on Alabama, and I mean, where they sit in the SEC West race? Because it's funny after an off season, a conversation in the first couple of weeks, we find ourselves at the halfway point. It feels like we're talking about Georgia and Alabama. Like time is a flat circle, if you will. Yeah, I feel like the correct answer is it was premature to bury them. Um, I don't think it's also right to put them on a shelf with most of Nick Saban's teams. I mean, they're still averaging under six yards in offensive snap that is very un-Alabama-like. Um, I still don't know exactly what their identity is. I think that's going to be game-planned and figured out among, you know, based on who the opponent is. I thought it was interesting a couple of weeks ago, you know, Mississippi State is going to get torched through the air. 
and Alabama ran it like three times as much as it passed it. And you're going, okay, that's the formula. And then they go to A&M and Jalen Milrose out there playing like Bryce Young, um, you know, and hitting Jermaine Burton and he has almost 200 yards. And you're like, well, wait a minute, where did this come from? Um, I think it goes to show you, I just, I don't think they have anything close to the offensive upside they've had in the recent years, but they've also got the best coach in the history of, of maybe college sports at, at the helm. They've still got plenty of talent if you put stock in recruiting rankings. Um, but they've still got enough, I think. There's not a game left on their schedule that you can't make the case that they are going to win. But I don't think this is going to be vintage Alabama where they just go and blitz everybody by 30 or 40 points. Chris, sticking with the SEC West, whose future are you more concerned about? Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M or Sam Pittman at Arkansas? Wow. Um, and you know, what's funny is I thought of a third coach, too. I thought you were going to say Zach Garnett. <laughs> um, I, I, think, I think the easy answer is Sam Pittman because the bile isn't as, as steep, obviously, as Jimbo's, whatever the insane number is today. Um at the same time, man, let's say AM doesn't win in Knoxville, which I don't think it'll do. Um, that that's one that's going to start burning itself down quickly. Mm-hmm. I, I think I don't know how much in the grand scheme of things Miami blowing the game to Georgia Tech means, but that's just kind of another log on the fire at that mm-hmm. point, right? You could say, well, hey, maybe Miami was a national title contender. I think we can say that's not the case now. Um, I thought they were going to win that Alabama game. I think they thought they were going to win that Alabama game. Um, I, I think the answer would be Jimbo Fisher, but the, the money part of it, I, and I look, I presume they'll come up with it, but I don't know the ins and outs of that situation. But, man, that, that is a really good question. I, I don't think that the, the Sam Pittman stuff is, is fair. Um, the, the upside with Arkansas just isn't there that it is with A&M because of the money and all that. I think people forget how bad a situation he took over with Chad Morris. I think he'd have been better off if they won a couple fewer games his first year in a way because then it looks more like improvement and trajectory. It's, it, it's funny how it's kind of better to set the bar low to begin with. Sam Pittman didn't really do that. He did stuff within the first year or two that I don't think people realistically had on the table as a possibility at the time. And I, I don't know, that, that, I, I filibustered a lot to answer your question. Um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, now that I've thought about it, um, gosh, I, I guess Pittman's still the answer, but that's a good one. Hmm. Chris, I'm going to keep throwing some zingers at you. I hope you don't mind. Who, who would you be buying stock no, in? That's, right? that's what makes it fun. Yeah, yeah. I, who, who would you? Yeah. This one may be a little bit easier, though. Who would you be buying stock in right now in the SEC East in regards to to finish in that number two spot? Tennessee, Kentucky, Mizzou, obviously all candidates. I mean, I, I don't want to completely put South Carolina out of it, but I think it would take one hell of a run over the last seven games or so. Um, but of the obvious, Tennessee, Kentucky, Mizzou, who, who's the team right now that you're still buying stock in? 
Okay, help, help me out with this a little bit. I don't have schedules in front of me. Is Tennessee is at Kentucky this year, I believe? I believe so, yes. Okay, I, I think by process of schedule elimination, mm-hmm. I have favored Kentucky over Missouri this weekend. So that would give Kentucky a little bit of an edge there. Tennessee's remaining schedule is brutal, mm-hmm. maybe tougher than anybody's in the country. And, and that's even giving him a win over A&M that I'm not – I'm not con- I think it's going to happen, but I'm not convinced of it. Um, you throw Kentucky, Missouri in Lexington. I mean, Kentucky, Tennessee in Lexington. I, I think that game's winnable for Kentucky. Mm. I-, I know it's, it probably sounds crazy the way that Kentucky got boat race this weekend, but, but I think just based on what every team has banked and based on where that game's going to be played, I'll probably go with Kentucky at this point. Chris Lee of Southeastern 14 does a fantastic job. Chris, last thing before I get you out of here, talk a little bit about Georgia. I I feel like, Chris, Georgia's been very interesting and almost kind of a victim of their success in the sense of, you know, we talk about all this parity in college football, and but you look at Georgia, the start of this season, there was a different expectation for them. Georgia's being judged against not if they're the best team in the SEC or, you know, they're being judged against are they going to be back-to-back-to-back national champions. And so I almost feel like they were being judged a little unfairly or overcritically, if you will. I know South Carolina played them in a really tight game, but, like, you look at the offensive numbers, and they've dealt with a slew of injuries, but Carson Beck is literally on pace to set single-season passing yards records at the University of Georgia. I, I know they're not running the football the way they want to, but I, I feel like that game against Kentucky on Saturday night, that was sort of the reminder that Georgia's still the creme de la creme, not just in the SEC, but I think I could argue all of college football. Your thoughts on the dogs? Obviously, I know your guy Blaine is is a very passionate, uh, you know, very passionately covers the Bulldogs, if you will, talks about Georgia. But your overall thoughts on Georgia? I'm sure you guys have had many conversations about the dogs at this point in the season. Yeah, that, that to me was a sort of a harbinger game for what, what might be ahead because there, there were several narratives that you could have embraced on, on Georgia. One, one is which, you know, Carson Beck is just not Stetson Bennett, one of which was you looked at the computers and they just were not as high on Georgia. And then you saw Georgia, you know, six, seven, eighth in some of the computer polls coming to the Kentucky game. And the schedule had not been great. I know Beck has put up some big numbers, but it was kind of the question of, of who was it against. Well, then they go out and face a Kentucky pass defense that is really good. And he throws, I think, for 11 yards in the tenth and just lights him up. And that game is over before the end of the first quarter. And, and the questions that I had going into that one, Chris, were, is Georgia really not as good? Or is this just a team that's, is one back-to-back national titles and is just kind of bored with things. I mean, you, you saw it last year. They, they, you know, Kent State made that a game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, that happened to them a couple times where it was just kind of not national championship-level football. And, and then they get to TCU and they flip a switch. And that was the, the biggest bloodbath in the history of championship games. Um, I kind of wondered that going into the Kentucky game. I thought stylistics Kentucky could give them some problems with some stuff. And I'm not saying that you don't see Georgia 
play kind of pedestrian football again in some of these games. I think that's part of their DNA. But that showed me that Georgia still has it in it just to flip a switch and annihilate whatever it's in its path. And that is not really good news for the rest of the league. Chris Lee of Southeastern 14 does a fantastic job. Chris, we'll definitely get you back on the airwaves when we can see your face and get you on the video side of things. But let Chris, by the way, let folks know in case they're not familiar where they can check out all you guys' work. Yeah, what what we do, the, the idea of Southeastern 14 is that uh, if you want specific info on your team, you're going to do a better job getting your Gamecock stuff for Chris and all the, all the great people on that feed, many of whom are my friends. Um, but if you're looking for a one-stop landing spot of guys and all they do is they just study the league and try to know all 14 teams and, and how they stack up against each other, that's what we're here for. And we do that for football, basketball, and baseball. We've got content coming out basically every day. I think we had – I don't know, 130-something videos (laughs) last month on everything uh, under the sun related to the SEC. We've started our basketball coverage. Uh, We'll be bringing back our baseball coverage, I'm I'm sure, starting in January. Um, We're we're thinking about kicking around the idea of doing a daily show. hope we can pull that off. Uh, Yeah, if if you're looking just for a really good spot to to get your fix on the SEC, I think you're going to love what we do and, and go find it on YouTube. At Southeastern 14. Chris, always a pleasure, my friend. Keep up the great work, and we'll chat again soon. Yeah, my apologies. I hope my audio was good while I was driving, but uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you.